and welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful perspective of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. I am Krista Horton. I am here with my lovely... I need some other adjectives for you, but you are lovely. My husband, my lovely husband, Zach Horton, and we are excited to be starting into the book of Hebrews today. So this is kind of going to be a two-part episode. We've got um, the Come Follow Me manual splits it through Hebrews 1 through 6 and then 7 through 12. So we're going to be mostly talking about those first, the first half of Hebrews, but also bringing up some of the more chapters too, because they're just interrelated. How would you say that, Zach? Yeah, yeah. We'll preview just, it a bit yeah, coming up. Can't help ourselves. Um, but before we get started into that, I know that you guys have a burning question from last week's episode. And that is, who won the balance contest between Zach and I? And I have to say that I have been defeated yeah. in balancing. I hate to admit it, but I we kind of just... I plan to plan this contest a little more thoroughly because this all started, let's go back. Just kidding. Okay. A few years ago, um, I think we kind of got converted to um, Survivor. And so our family started watching Survivor together and we would do these challenges like with our kids. We'd make up challenges. They would make them up. And to make the less elaborate ones because they would get very tricky and it would take hours. Um, we started doing balancing ones and I'm pretty sure I thought I, I thought I was better than Zach. I'm very surprised that he won. I shouldn't have stood on my left leg. I wasn't surprised that I won. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, we'll have to do it again. Maybe we'll update you. But if anyone else, if we have any other Survivor fans out there, then give us a shout um, out. fist bump right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll need to practice my, my, uh, yeah, you will. I will. But you still won't win. <laughs> Okay, so, um, oh, and a follow-up to, um, Zach, maybe you take that away of our Well, yeah, the other thing that we wanted to follow up with is uh, we announced last week in our podcast that we would be uh, announcing on our Instagram something that we have been working on and we're really excited about, and we put a picture of it up on Instagram, just the front cover. We will put more pictures up this week coming up as we officially unroll it. But um, the product that we have, well, I'll frame it this way. We've mentioned this in, in our episodes before, but the question that we have been asked the most this year on the podcast is people saying, how do you study your scriptures? What techniques do you use? And we know that we don't um, have all of the answers to, the, to what good scripture study is, but we are really passionate about scripture study. And so as we've talked about it multiple times in multiple places, we started seeing this recurring question and our recurring answer to that question and thought, you know, what if we could make something really simple that help people to have a meaningful scripture study. And so uh, we worked together with a brilliant designer, uh, Brooke, and um, we've come up with what we're calling uh, a study record. And maybe the best way to describe what it is is to describe maybe what it isn't. Um, So There are a whole host of resources out there that will help you study the scriptural past, 
There are study guides and manuals and commentaries that help you learn about what was happening in the time of the scriptures and in the culture and the context and help you draw insights from that past and apply them to yourself, which is a wonderful thing. And we love all of those resources. We use many of them here on the Scripture Study Project, and you probably have a couple of your own. This is not that. What this is, hopefully is something that focuses on the scriptural present. You've heard us say it here before, but we have a passion that the scriptures aren't just powerful in that we can apply them to our our modern lives. They're powerful in that they can be a living word of God. In other words, it's one thing to read the scriptures and say, this is what God said or did, and how can I fast forward that 2,000 years and apply it to my life today? It's another thing to say, As I'm studying my scriptures, what is God saying to me right now? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What is he prompting me to do? And what does he want me to become? And so uh, this study record provides some of those questions and some of that uh, framing that helps you ask those questions of the scriptures and of yourself and get some answers. And maybe some of the things that we study and the I don't know if I'd call it a method, but what we have used, generally speaking, as we prepare um, and present this podcast, the episodes for you, is kind of just giving you this frame, um, and we're hoping that's what this record can do. And specifically, this one is, I don't think you've mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned this, but it is, it's a Book of Mormon. Mormon, It's specifically geared towards the Book of Mormon, which will hopefully be an aid next year as we get, as we dig into the Book of Mormon, and many of you have studied the Book of Mormon over and over. We know a lot about the Book of Mormon, um, and we're hoping that this can kind of just give that different um, feel to your study that we're hoping to bring to you. So it'll provide you some frames, and you'll see pictures of this as it comes out this week, but it'll provide you a frame per chapter that kind of previews what this, what the scriptural author in that chapter was talking about, and in what ways that... um, resonates with a modern audience. It'll hopefully help you put your mind or put yourself into the mind of those ancient scriptural writers so that what they say matters to you. And then we provide questions, just a few, like we do here on the podcast, that can guide your study. And so um, another isn't is of this of this study record is it is not a journal. Um, Brooke was the one that pointed this out to us, and I think it's a brilliant way to phrase it. This is not just a place to record your thoughts and your feelings. There are journals out there that are very wide open, filled with beautiful pictures and illustrations, and really help you to to, uh, collect your thoughts, which is wonderful, and we love those, and we use some of those. But this isn't that. This is a journey. It's a way for you to ask some really powerful, meaningful questions, and then go on a journey with God through his living word to find the answers. Um, Our goal at the Scripture Study Project has always been to be the beginning of a powerful study for you, not the powerful study itself. We don't want this podcast and we don't want anything that we produce to be the star of your Scripture Study show. We want it to be the beginning so that your study from your God can be the star of your show so that you can learn and grow from him. 
And so this resource is hopefully something that will help you and help anyone else that you feel would, uh, would be able to benefit from it begin a powerful living study of God's Word that can change the way you think, change the way you feel, change the way that you act, and change the very nature of who you are. Amen. I love it. <laughs> so look for more information this week uh, on Instagram. Uh, we will... We'll continue to keep you updated here, but I think that, um, well, obviously we'll keep you updated here, but this week we're going to be um, rolling things out and um, yeah, we'll be, mostly the information is going to come on Instagram, but we will keep you posted next week here on um, any of the updates that we have. We'll have a website, we'll have purchase information, we'll have everything all that good stuff so thanks for being around here and thanks for those who um reached out through instagram and just are excited about it we're just so grateful for um i don't know this fun study group that we have through this podcast we're just so grateful to be um a part of your study so thank you so much and now we'll get started into this week's study um like we already mentioned in hebrews so a little bit of context just fyi and come follow me manual points at this but um there has been quite a bit of discussion over the years on who the author of Hebrews is, and the consensus pretty much everywhere is, we don't know. For a long time, the tradition was that it was Paul, but you probably have noticed this as you read the book of Hebrews. It sounds very different than Paul. It feels very different than Paul. It's not on the same topics that Paul wrote on. Um, And most people agree today it probably wasn't Paul. Um, But we don't really know who it is. But we do know to whom it was written. It was written to Jewish converts to Christianity, to Hebrews, uh, who are now trying to live their Christian faith. And I really liked this different feel that we get. Like Zach mentioned, we have had these letters, um, and we don't know if it was Paul, but whoever was speaking here, um, it kind of has a different pace to it almost and I felt like it felt a little more like a speaking sermon more than just someone writing a letter we have Mm -hmm. been reading a lot of letters so maybe as you start reading you'll find that it does feel a little different it might feel a little um, hard to read in some spots and part of that is because there's a lot of quoting from the Old Testament um, as this teacher this preacher is um, teaching these Jews with their language. You know, it's the Old Testament language. That's what they understand. That's what the people in Hebrews are understanding. And so I think you can kind of notice those things, notice your footnotes as you read, um, and notice that maybe that's why it seems uh, feels a little different too with some of these passages. There's a lot of those um, Old Testament references here too. So a couple of years ago for an object lesson in Hebrews, I decided I wanted to do a an illustration of a phrase that shows up repeatedly in Hebrews. And so I took two containers of Play-Doh. One of them I left the same and one of them I uh, left out to dry. I came back in the next morning and it wasn't all the way dry. And so I ended up microwaving it, which smelled horrible. And it burned my uh, Play-Doh to like a charry crisp. Wait a second. This is this might be the history of Zach's microwaving. <laughs> he burns everything in the microwave. But side note, sorry. I lit socks I on just fire could, once I, in the microwave. I couldn't, I couldn't help myself there. Anyway, um, and then I had uh, students very obviously had difficult time. One that got the moldy pl- or the moldy the moldable play-doh and was able to mold it and shape it. And the other one that got the hard play-doh and wasn't able to. Uh, and it was a very just physical or visual way of illustrating this point. 
that the author in Hebrews makes repeatedly. This is chapter 3, verse 8, and he's quoting Old Testament references, but he says, uh, verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the days of temptation in the wilderness. Uh, verse 15, While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. And then in chapter 4, uh, verse 7, again, he limiteth a certain day, saying to David, Today, after so long a time, as it is written, as it is written today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. There is uh, among, you get the sense as you read Hebrews, among these Jewish converts, a very real struggle for their faith. And one of the things that's afflicting them is this hardening of their hearts. Now, we'll talk much more about this next week. But people are hardening their hearts so much to the point that they're leaving the faith. And so the letter, the, the epistle to the Hebrews, this sermon, is meant to reclaim them to the faith. And it does it by two main kind of thrusts. The first one, which we'll study in this episode, is why should I stay? Why? Of course, for them, the question is, why should I stay a member of this ancient church? But for so many of us, why should I stay a member of the Lord's modern church? Why should I continue to follow the Savior? The second part, which we'll study next episode, is how do I actually go through the practical steps of staying? How can I strengthen my faith? How can I stay with that faith? And so we'll talk about that next episode. Okay. So for this episode, uh, the question of why should I stay, the author of Hebrews' answer is very, very clear. Starting in chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. In other words, you Hebrews are used to learning about God from the prophets, but in these days, God has sent us his Son. And so the first major thrust in Hebrews is everything uh, about the Son, so that, this is in chapter 4, verse 16, uh, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In other words, what do we learn about the Son that makes us feel confidence in coming to the Father? That's the governing question of this study. And maybe just to start this discussion, we just may continue reading on those scriptures that Zach started in Hebrews chapter 1. Um, verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Um, that, stu that stuck out to me as, as I read that and had this question in my mind um, because it helps me to see that Jesus Christ is doing the errand of his father that God is in charge and he is in the details and he is the one that Jesus Christ is doing all of this for um, and for us too, that they both love us. I think we can, I mean, we've had this discussion and this question come up of, I know, I know Jesus Christ. I feel very connected to him, but I don't feel as connected to God. And I know that sometimes that can be really hard um, as we pray to the Father, but we're talking about Jesus Christ a lot. And I think that that scripture, the beginning here is just the perfect 
um, answer to that, that they are working together. So if you feel connected to one, you feel connected to both of them. Well, and what a great reason to stay uh, to the Hebrews and to us as modern readers. This church of Jesus Christ brings me to the Father because the Son is in the express image of the Father. He he does everything in the name of the Father, and the way that he does it is the way the Father would do it. And so uh, following the Savior is the best way to connect me to God. Yeah, that exact representation of who God is to us. The point that I found builds on that. This is Hebrews 1 verse 6. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Verse 8. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The author here emphasizes that Jesus is above all. He is above the angels. He's above the prophets. He's above everything and everyone. He is in the express image of God himself. However, in chapter 2, he says this, verse 7, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. And thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. And he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Uh, Right now I'm studying with my students in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, it's interesting. I love studying the different, different gospel writers and their different testimonies and witnesses of the Savior. Matthew's witness of the Savior is that Jesus is the king. And so Matthew emphasizes his kingship and that he's a Messiah, meaning he's anointed one. Mark emphasizes that Jesus is the son of God. And so he emphasizes Jesus's godship and his power and his authority to do things. Luke is different because he emphasizes both of those, that Jesus is king and that Jesus is God. But then he emphasizes that Jesus is the savior who condescends and comes to earth and saves those lowly among us who need a savior. And so Luke puts far more stories in about Jesus spending time with these other kind of forgotten groups, more stories about women, more stories about the poor, more stories about sinners, and shows that Jesus, this God who created everything, uh, even in the message of the angel to the shepherds, good tidings of great joy for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ Lord, and you'll find this, the, and you'll find the savior as a child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger in a trough, a feeding trough. This God has condescended. And I think the same message is here in Hebrews, that this Jesus who was above all things, above the angels and the prophets and supersedes everything and everyone, chose to condescend below all things so that he can understand all things. And for me, one of the truths about the Savior that makes me most confident in reaching out to him that erases my fears and my doubts in reaching out to him and reaching out to my father is that he knows exactly what I'm going through. I think we oftentimes place a lot of emphasis on the fact that the Savior in his atonement suffered so that he can help us overcome all things, which he did. But I think there's a lot of power in understanding that the Savior suffered what he did so that he can be with us in all things, 
Sometimes we don't make it through the trial immediately when we call out for help. Sometimes we just feel his companionship. And I love that about him, and it, it increases my confidence in reaching out to him when I'm in trouble. You know, I love the way that these are kind of all falling together, um, that God and Jesus are the same, but yet he condescended, Jesus Christ condescended to the earth like Zach just taught us. Um, and then something that I think further teaches this is what we see the author of Hebrews referencing over and over again um, is the high priest. Um, and the first reference here comes in chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God, to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are temp tempted. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Um, so the high priest was the common man who would be the one appointed to enter into the temple and go into the Holy of Holies and what's the good word I'm looking for? M make intercession? Is yeah, that the... Yeah, on one day a year, that Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, he would offer that one sacrifice once a year that he would go in and do this. And so that's that idea that these these people would, um, that was their tradition, was to, this high priest was the person that they went to to make sure that they had things right with God. And so this reference to the high priest, um, as you understand that, I think becomes more meaningful to realize that Jesus Christ is my high priest. He is entering for me in this very personal way. So with that in mind about who a high priest is, and then thinking Jesus Christ is my high priest, um, let's read a couple more verses here, first starting in chapter 3, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Um, isn't that just beautiful teaching about who Jesus Christ is, that he, like Zach mentioned, that he passed through the heavens, that condescension, um, and that he has been tempted in every way, but he knows exactly what we have been through. Um, and then maybe circling back to that first, that beginning of that, um, God and Jesus Christ, or that Christ is on um, his father's errand. This is in chapter 5, verse 5. In the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become high priest, but God who said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And I think that's a beautiful thing to remember that we have a very personal high priest that we can go to in very personal and intimate ways um, for our intercession with God. It's kind of cool to string those three points together. Point one, Jesus is in the express image of the Father. He is God, was before he came to earth, and is in eternity God. But point two, that God chose to condescend below all things so that, of course, he can conquer all things, but also so that he can be with us when we're going through all things. And then three, because he condescended, he is uniquely situated to raise us back to the Father, 
to represent us in the Holy of Holies, to take us to the celestial kingdom as our high priest and return us to our rightful place um, with our Father in heaven. Um, I love this message, and I love how pondering those three points can, as the author says at the end of chapter 4, help us come boldly to the throne of God. Uh, He sent his Son to enable this very interchange between us and him so that I can reach out to him when I'm in need and so that I can come boldly to that throne of grace and, and expect mercy and love in return. Well, there's one last phrase that shows up that I, I latched onto because I love this phrase Uh, And I love something that goes with it that I want to share. This is chapter 2, verse 10. In all these things that Jesus does, I love this title. For it became him for for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. I love the title, Captain of Salvation, attached to Jesus Christ. Um, I've often had discussions with people about the plan of salvation and how we, when asked what the plan of salvation is, we don't really know or we don't really describe it. We draw a bunch of circles and lines and people get really confused. But if you were just to ask a simple question, what is God's plan for our salvation? The answer is Jesus Christ. God's plan for our salvation is to send the captain of salvation to earth to condescend and to lift us back to him. Well, in pondering that title, um, we want to end with this brief story. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a movie that came out called Invictus, and it was based on this poem that I like, and I like it even more when I found a response poem written by uh, early apostle Orson F. Whitney. So if you remember, here's the original poem Invictus. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I think whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And of course, it's a great poem about being individually charged and taking control of your own destiny and fighting and winning. Well, here's Orson F. Whitney's response, which I love. Art thou in truth? Then what of him who bought thee with his blood, who plunged into devouring seas and snatched thee from the flood, who bore for all our fallen race what none but him could bear, the God who died that man might live in endless glory share? Of what avail thy vaunted strength apart from his vast might? Pray that his light may pierce the gloom that thou mayest see aright. Men are as bubbles on the wave, as leaves upon the tree. Thou, captain of thy soul, forsooth, who gave that place to thee? Free will is thine, free agency, to wield for right or wrong, but thou must answer unto him to whom all souls belong." Bend to the dust that head unbowed, small part of life's great whole, and see in him and him alone the captain of thy soul. I know that that's who Jesus Christ is. He has been with me recently in in my trials and in my difficulties, and I know that he's um, uniquely able to do that because he's done it for me. 
And I love seeing that true and living Jesus Christ um, at work in so many people's lives. We hear that just from Zach. Today in testimony meeting, I was really touched by a member of our ward just bearing beautiful, simple testimony of how the Savior has changed him. Um, And that strengthens me because it reminds me of the times that I have felt him as my captain as well. Thank you so much for being with us this week um, in the study of Hebrews. And like we said at the beginning, check us out on Instagram at the Scripture Study Project for more updates. Um, You know, actually, I'm probably going to post a couple on Facebook too. So if you follow us there, that's great as well. Um, So we'll be keeping you up to date as best we can. Um, And we just want to thank everyone for um, all your support. Hope you have a great week.